Hi, this is Hudson Head from the San Diego Padres, and you're listening to the Friar Lounge Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friar Lounge Podcast, where we regularly talk in-depth about the San Diego Padres. We cover the big league club, our minor league clubs, rumors, and the NL West. Let's get started. And welcome to the Friar Lounge Podcast edition. Uh, we're here tonight. We're going to talk uh, a little bit of uh, Padre baseball and I'd love to get started uh, first by introducing the gentleman I have with me tonight. Uh, why don't you go, go ahead and introduce yourselves, fellas. How's it going? This is Nick Recchio. I'm obviously a Friar Lounge rider and resident minor league hound. So, Welcome, Nick. George, what's going on? What's up, fellas? This is George Arce. Glad to be back here and uh, excited to talk about the 2020 draft. Let's do it. Well, let, let's get let's get right into it, guys. Uh, exciting uh, draft we just um, just witnessed for the Padres, um, and I'd like to start first by uh, kicking it over to Nick. Nick, I'd love for you to just to, to kind of get a sense of what the overall draft looked like, and uh, maybe if you could give us a maybe an overall grade of how things you feel like things shook out for you. Well, in, in typical AJ Preller fashion, um, the Padres kind of mixed and matched a little bit throughout the rounds and, and what obviously was a very unique draft this year. Uh, being only five rounds, the Padres had six picks within the first five rounds. In typical Padre fashion, kind of mixed and matched a little bit. Um, took a couple guys that were highly acclaimed at the top, but also maybe a little bit more value plays at the same time. That allowed them to go get some very highly acclaimed guys a little bit later on in the draft that maybe slid due to signability. Uh, a la Hudson Head from last year, who got $3 million in the third round. So, uh, overall, though, it, I would have to give AJ and uh, Mark Honor, head of uh, scouting and development for the Padres, I would have to give them a solid A contingent that they're able to sign all six of those players. Uh, and we're going to talk about them, get them a little bit more in the weeds about what the players bring to the table um, and, and some of the attributes that made them so attractive to the organization to bring into the fold. Very cool. Right, thanks, Nick. George, I'll kick it over to you, man. Yeah, man. Uh, so, Nick, how you feeling, buddy? I know this is, uh, this is like Christmas time for you, man. Draft time, one of the most exciting uh, parts of the season for the Padres. And, you know, you're one of our minor league gurus, man. So, how you feeling? It's an exciting time of year always. Uh, when you get to the draft, it's, it's a year of uh, scouting, development, looking at players consistently with – all the different showcases, and then finally seeing where the pieces of the puzzle fit together and the strategy of where you take players, where you can, where, where the dollars make sense. Um, there's a lot of strategy, and I feel like AJ and company are, are very adept at, at making the most of those resources. So, yeah, it's super exciting. It's the first kind of bit of baseball from anybody, really, since spring training. So it's, uh, it's pretty exciting to actually – here and talk baseball consistently right now. Right. Now, something that you and I have, have debated on is uh, I'm always a big fan of, of the drafting of the collegiate ready guys. And uh, you've always been a big fan of the high school players and, and the depth and, and going after those guys that we can develop, right? And uh, there was a cool stat that the MLB Network showed that the pods over the last five years with their top five rounds, they hover around 57, 58% draft in high school kids. Uh, Coming into this draft, it looks like that's a player that they focused on at the number eight hole. Uh, looks like there was a couple good guys there and Zach Veen and Robert Hassel. And uh, 
they stuck with their pick. They stuck with their guys. So Robert Hassel the third. Let's uh, let's hear about it, man. What, what are you excited about? It's widely regarded as the best prep hit tool in the draft. It's somebody that the Potters have been very familiar with as well. Um, Mark Connor had mentioned that Potters have actually scouted this kid over the last three to four years. So that there wasn't prep baseball this season. Um, didn't really detract. The organization knew the quality of player. They knew the family. Um, they knew the, the background on the kid a lot deeper than just his performance his senior year. This is a kid that has performed on the biggest stages. Um, Little League World Series. He was a uh, the 18 and under team for USA. He was the best offensive player on that team that starred in Taiwan. Uh, during the tournament there. This is also a kid that's been a two-time Tennessee Gatorade player of the year. So on the biggest stages, he's typically the best player on the field. There's a confidence. Uh, it's not a cockiness, but there's a confidence in his abilities. And he's the first one to tell you in interviews right after the draft of, am I a good hitter? Yes. Can I get better? Absolutely. Do I have power? And he joked around actually about the bucket of baseballs or buckets of baseballs that he has in his room of all the home runs he's hit in his very young career. So does he have power? Yes. Can he get better? Of course. And that's what you want to hear from an 18-year-old is a little bit of humility, even when they're typically the best player in any team they've ever played on, including national teams, and knowing there's still a lot to work on. So, so that's awesome to hear. Now, uh, you know, we love comps, so give us a good comp of, uh, what, you know, what Robert Hassel uh, could turn out to be at the MLB level. Looking at a 6'2", currently 180-ish uh, center fielder, throws and bats from the left-hand side. There's a couple players that kind of ring a bell immediately for me. The big thing is with his hit tool at the same kind of age, I think kind of Christian Yelich. And the reason why I say that, and obviously that's a bold claim, and obviously the Christian Yelich that we know today is an MVP, is a legitimate power hitter. Even early in his major league career, Christian Yelich was a hit tool player with not a lot of power when he was in Florida. In fact, he never eclipsed 25 home runs, I believe, when he was with the Marlins. You build off the hit tool. And if a player has a significant hit tool, typically as he matures, he gains more strength, he gains more confidence in the bat plane, the power develops. It's usually the last tool that really develops for the really good hitters. Um, I mean, you can even look at Tony Gwynn, literally towards the back half of his career is when he started to hit for a little bit more power. Never really became a power hitter, but the 1998 version of Tony Gwynn was a significantly more power hitter than the 1984 version of Tony Gwynn. And I think there's a lot of possibilities for Robert Hassel as he grows, as he gets a little stronger, and becomes just more comfortable with that swing. The older he gets, the more experience he gets, more reps he gets. I think you're going to see a lot more power develop. And I think the end-all be-all is a player that's going to be a 280 to 300 hitter with the ability to hit 25 home runs at the major league level. And if he's able to stick in center, which I think he will, that's a legitimate all-star quality player right there. And what do you say to the people that say, hey, we got Taylor Trammell uh, ready to pounce on center field in the next couple seasons? Uh, you know, where, where, where's Hassel going to play uh, when he's coming up in three or four seasons? What, what do you say to those? Well, I would first tell you that we also have five years of team control on Trent Grisham, and uh, don't discount him. But with Taylor Schramel, I, I think uh, 
incredibly talented player. I'm a huge fan of TT. Um, what I will tell you is this, is good players force organizations to make calls. There's three positions in the outfield, and if you had three very athletic, good-hitting outfielders, that would not be a problem. And as we've discussed many times in the past, in the National League West, you have the most square footage of any outfield cumulatively in the major leagues as a division. So you need athletic outfielders that can cover those wide gaps and wide spaces in the NL West. Um, you, you don't want the clod hopping left fielder, the, uh, no pun intended, the Mr. Phil playing tier. You, you can't have too many of those guys playing the outfield nowadays in today's game, especially in the NL West. It'll kill you. So having three center fielder types, that's nothing but a plus to the future defensive linemen for the Padres. So it's a, it's a good problem to have. We can definitely say that. So, Mark, before I kick it back to, to one of your questions for Nick, uh, I just want to kind of talk about the next draft pick uh, that we took now at the 34 hole, uh, Mr. Justin Lang, uh, power right-handed pitcher. Uh, again, another high schooler, Nick. Uh, what can you tell us about Justin Lang? I know the team was excited to draft him with the second overall pick for the team. I would say probably uh, one of the most exciting players to watch. Uh, you watch video of him. Uh, and the amount of growth that he's had has been pretty epic, um, literally, physically, uh, at a performance level. I think he's one of the kids, if there was prep baseball this season, um, there's no way the Padres have a chance to bring him in at pick 34. Uh, I, I think he's in the conversation probably for the top half of the first round. Um, if you're looking at a kid 6'4", most recently coming in at about 230, 235, uh, the body is already major league quality. The fastball is sitting 97 to 99. He topped out as high as 102. Um, that's, that's a power arm wherever you are playing. At the prep level, that's, uh, that's dynamite. Now, the con on it is the fastball is by far and away the biggest attribute. The slider, the changeup, both are very, very raw. The command is raw, the control is raw, and that's what the prep season for him would have allowed him to show growth in those areas, which would have skyrocketed his value to, like I said, into the first round. The Padres, though, get a great value proposition with an arm that, because teams weren't able to see him as much because of the season being missed, Padres were able to swoop in on him at 34. Another big power arm uh, for the Padres uh, in another big draft. Yeah, it's, it's the classic Texas prep fireballer. There's a long history of them from Josh Beckett, Roger Clemens, uh, Josh Johnson. This is another one of those kids that fits that mold. You know, he, he looks like the prototypical starting pitcher, flame-throwing right-hander from Texas. And uh, I, I think uh, there's a lot of risk with that, but the upside is somebody that could throw towards the front end of a rotation. Uh, and he very well could do that, and he very well can maybe possibly never make the majors. But when a player has that kind of dedication to improve his craft and to improve physically the amount that he has over the last year plus, uh, that's not somebody I'll typically bet against when they're that committed to making those types of leaps and bounds. That's awesome, Nick. All right, Mark, so kicking it back to you, man. Uh, what, what do you got for our, uh, for our guru? Yeah, so Nick, uh, in, in the second round, our, so our first our pick in the second round was uh, 40, 45th pick overall. It's Owen Cassie. He's an outfielder. Another high school kid. Um, 
you know, that kind of surprised me, I'll be, but, but I, I'm, sure, I'm sure you have an opinion on Owen and where he fits into the, the Preller scheme. And um, is this, or is this just the best player on the board? Uh, I'd love to know a little bit more about why, why Owen Cassie and, and the, the first pick, the uh, Padres pick in the second round. Owen Cassie has a lot of physical attributes, I think, that you look for in a drafty. Uh, played on the uh, junior team for Canada. So he's a Canadian baseball player, which obviously you don't get to play baseball year-round year in Canada um, for obvious reasons. Uh, but Owen Cassie, 6'4", 190, big power. Uh, it, it's a prototypical right field profile. And I think with Cassie, you're looking at somebody who not only fits that mold, but I think power hitting uh, in the minor leagues is maybe one of the very few areas for the organization that maybe they felt were lacking. Uh, obviously, last year, the addition of Josh Mears kind of helped uh, fill that a little bit, but Cassie gives you... I would also add the, the loss of Hunter Renfro. Um, you know, in terms of a power hitting bat that the organization recently lost, maybe looking to backfill that a little bit. But uh, sorry to interrupt you. I just was curious uh, on that front. Um, yeah. No, so it's, it's power hitting, your young power hitting. And if you looked in the organization right now at a minor league level and you would say, who are your top minor league power hitters? Uh, you're probably looking at Hudson Potts, who's though he's very young for the, the levels, kind of stalled a little bit at double A. You're looking at Josh Mears, who was a high school draftee last year, right-handed power hitter, physically reminds you of Nelson Cruz. I, I think uh, Cassie gives you the left-handed power bow, which we really don't have in the system, especially if you, if you take out uh, Taylor Trammell. So I, there's a lot that he brings to the table there. And I think also when you talk about the value proposition that A.J. Preller usually shoots for in the draft, he's not typically looking for safe. He's looking for potential and potential impact players down the road. There is some risk reversement there where he's a high school bat from Canada. Um, there's not a ton of those players in the major leagues, uh, but you like the tools, you roll the dice on something like that. And I think also he's somebody that's gonna be signing for a little bit below slot, which will probably lead us to the next draft. Well, and one thing I like about the, the Preller era is that, you know, they're certainly not afraid to scour the, the earth for good baseball talent. I mean, the fact yep. that the Padres are working, you know, really around the clock, year-round, drafting and scouting players, um, that says a lot about the organization and, and obviously where we are from a talent standpoint. Well, let's move on. Actually, this is one of the players I'm most excited about and that I want to hear about. Um, so our, our, our third pick, uh, excuse me, our third-round pick is uh, Cole Wilcox. Um, from Georgia, and we got him at the 80th pick. And you know, fireballer, man. Like, I, I want to hear what, what you have to say about this guy. I'm excited about this kid. Is he a starter? Is he a back end guy? Where does he Where does he fit in? Um, love to hear your thoughts. He's a starter. He's 100 percent going to be a starter. Uh, his freshman year at Georgia, and even before that, two years ago, coming out of high school, Cole Wilcox was definitely going to be a first round pick. Signability issues were in play, and he ended up fulfilling a scholarship offer to the University of Georgia. Uh, he was the kind of co-ace starter of that staff this year. The other starter you might have heard of, Emerson Hancock, who was, I believe, the sixth overall pick in the draft to the Mariners this year. Uh, 
this season was going to be the breakout season for Kovalkaz. And if you look at his early starts in the college season before stuff was shut down, there was better fastball command. There was better control on the slider, being able to throw it for a strike or to land it off the plate for a chase pitch. Fastball is 96 to 98 pretty consistently, and he tops out at about 100. He holds that velocity into starts. So the fastball is by all means a plus pitch, bordering on plus plus when he gets arm side run with the two-seamer. The slider is an 86 to 88 mile an hour pitch that really is his put-away pitch. It's his out pitch. The changeup, it flashes the ability to be an above average pitch. It's inconsistent. One of the biggest reasons why when you throw 98 and you have a snapdragon slider you can throw for strikes or off the plate, typically don't need that third pitch at the amateur level. So getting into a professional system, that's going to be able to give him repetition and the coaching that's needed to develop those. Um, hey, there's a lot of pitchers at a minor league uh, complex, spring training complex for the Potters that know how to throw a changeup pretty darn well. Uh, I think there's some avenues that are going to be able to help him throw a changeup and, and really be comfortable with that, whether it's Trevor Hoffman, whether it's Chris Paddock. Uh, there's a lot of guys that, like I said, that know that pitch pretty well in the organization. Uh, this is the prototypical number one starter body and stuff that you look for. It's 6'5", 240. Uh, somebody asked me earlier, well, what's a comp on him physically? I'm like, you look at video with him, you, you look at the measurables and stuff. To me, it reminds me of, uh, reminds me of Garrett Cole. He looks just like a beast. He's got these tree trunk legs, and he throws gas, and he's not afraid to go, I'm going to throw a fastball, and I'm going to throw a bayou. And if you get your bat in the way, the ball's going to go through it. So there's confidence there. He is going to sign. Even the Georgia head coach expects him not to come back to school. Um, the Padres are going to figure out a way to make the money work. And with him, you're going to add him to the mix of high-end pitchers along with Justin Lang. Those are between Justin Lang, Cole Wilcox, and Robert Hassel III. Uh, Keith Law, those were three players in Keith Law's top 30 prospects for the draft. So when you're wrapping up 10% of the top prospects in the draft in your first four rounds, that's a pretty good sign. And it's uh, an embarrassment of riches. The rich are getting richer. The Padres organization has rankings anywhere between the top to the top five top arm systems in all of baseball still. And when you add the wealth of top prospects that we're looking at in the draft right now to that mix, if all of them can be signed, uh, it, it's, it's not a rebuilding of the minor league system. It's a reloading. Oh, that's great, Nick. Well, let's hope we get the, uh, the players back on the field soon so we can actually see that talent. Uh, George, I'm going to kick it back over to you. I think you've got a, a few more questions on yeah. uh, our last. So, so Nick, getting back to Cole Wilcox really quick. When can we expect to see him uh, in that rotation, man? I mean, he's uh, he's not 18 years old. Uh, if he's got that stuff, when can, when can we expect him to contribute to that uh, that rotation, man? Obviously, a couple of different factors in play. One, uh, how stacked the major league team will be in pitching. Hopefully, within the next year, when you're looking at pitchers of the quality of. Uh, Chris Paddock and Denelson Lamed, you got Mackenzie Gore and Luis Patino knocking on the doorstep. Uh, Gary Richards still the rotation. It's not going to be an easy rotation to crack like it has been for a fairly long time for the Potters organization. Uh, 
you are going to have to beat out a very, very talented pitcher to crack the rotation and get into it. Um, so one is that. Two is also uh, going back to the changeup. It's going to be the development of his third pitch and the continuation of his command and control. Uh, being able to throw fastballs for strikes at all four quadrants of the zone, doing that consistently is going to unlock more of his potential. And just like what I said physically, the comp to Garrett Cole, you look at Garrett Cole coming out of UCLA. You look at Garrett Cole in the early years in Pittsburgh. There, there was a difference that was unleashed when he got to Houston. And it was the fastball control. It was the usage of the, of the breaking ball, specifically the slider, and, and how to utilize that. And I think the Padres have shown a pretty good track record of the prep pitchers, the amateur pitchers overall, developing them so far through the system a la Chris Paddock, Mackenzie Gore, and Luis Patino. So um, hopefully if there was baseball this year, I would expect him to probably be chomping at the bit anywhere between spring training 2022 uh, moving forward. All right. Well, that's something to be excited about. Anytime you're uh, comping someone to Garrett Cole, man, let's you got to be excited for that. So let's, uh, let's talk about the final two guys. The Padres drafted in this five-round draft. Uh, Mr. Levi Thomas, a kid out of Troy. Uh, some some college experience and uh, drafted 109 overall. Uh, what can you tell us about Levi Thomas? Levi is probably the opposite of Cole Wilcox. We're talking about physically. He's a starting pitcher for Troy, 5'11". Uh, definitely not an imposing figure on the mound, uh, though you will see some clips of him, a pretty passionate guy on the mound. Shows some emotion, shows some fire out there. Uh, it's definitely a, a command control. Um, now, the Margin of error for pitchers that are 5'11", starting pitchers that don't throw 98 like Max Meyer does, um, are not very big. So it's possibly an organizational guy. Um, They're going to give him every chance to be a starting pitcher. Um, Where he goes from that, you know, there are starting pitchers at the major league level that don't throw 96. Like I said, the margin of error for those pitchers are just significantly smaller. some people think it's more of a signability pick, and I think that is a part of it that goes into play. They're going to save some money probably signing Levi uh, to put towards Cole and, and guys like that, but um, definitely a, a talented guy, and I, I think he's going to probably chew up most of the early minor leagues. His test is really going to be when he reaches probably the A level, uh, where when you throw 90 to 93, you're not really going to blow it by those guys anymore, uh, and you're going to have to really mix and match, and, and that pitch ability is going to have to come into play. And that'll be his biggest challenge moving forward when he gets to those higher levels. Okay. Looks like another uh, good depth pick there by uh, yeah. Agent Preller and company. And, and let's find uh, – round out the draft here. A uh, kid at number 139th pick overall, Jagger Haynes, a left-handed pitcher, uh, back to the high school ranks out of North Carolina. Uh, looks like he's got some good stuff on tape. I saw a mini comp to Josh Hader, which you got to be excited about there, uh, based off stuff, is like you like to call it. Uh, what can you tell us about the kid? So Jagger Haynes, I, I think this was the the most sneaky pick for the organization. And the reason why I say that, uh, when, you're, when, you're, when you were watching the draft, whether it be on ESPN or on MLB Network, they didn't even have scouting reports on the kid, which is odd because he had a, a University of North Carolina scholarship to be a Tar Heel, which is a pretty prestigious baseball school. Uh, a lot of great pitchers have come out of that UNC program. Matt Harvey to be one of them. Uh, 
talented kid. Now, there's a unique or a couple of unique connections to the Potters organization already. So from a very small town of less than 500 people, somebody who is also from that town was Padre minor league signing Seth Frankoff. And in fact, Seth Frankoff shared a video of Jagger Haynes working out with him. And while using the Rapsado machine that I'm sure uh, Mr. Frankoff had access to, he's showing Jagger throwing anywhere between 91, 93 from the left-hand side. It's a 6'4 left-hander, very skinny, probably they had a list at a 170 in the video. I don't think he was much more than that either. That is the typical projectable left-handed prep pitcher right there. But when you're already throwing 91 to 93, and you're telling me you're about 170, 175 pounds, it is not without doubt that within the next handful of years, that kid puts on 15, 20, 25 pounds of good body weight, that that velocity creeps up an additional two, three, four miles an hour. That's a talented kid, like I said, to get a scholarship to UNC. And it was a sneaky pick by the organization when most people, even most pundits, thought the Padres were going to opt for a senior sign, somebody that was going to be willing to just take a couple bucks at, at the very back end to parlay that money to some of those other picks. And instead, they take a very talented prep player and are trying to buy him out of a scholarship to UNC. So you, you look at the bread and butter of A.J. Preller drafts over the last handful of years, and the one thing that is consistent, he loves his prep left-handed pitchers whether it's Mackenzie Gore, Joey Cantillo, Ryan Weathers, at the international signings with Adrian Morhome, he loves his left-handed pitching. This falls right in hand with that, so not a big surprise when you really think about it in that regard. Uh, I, I think I like overall, it. Nick, uh, you, you hit it on the head. I think they graded very well. Um, I think your A-plus isn't a, a homer uh, grade. Uh, they're, they're getting graded pretty highly across the board uh, from ESPN to the MLB Network, so Super, super stoked. Um, and I'm just going to wrap up with the slot money. I know you really talked about uh, the, the priority with the slot money seems to be going to Cole Wilcox. Um, how are you going to break down the slot money? It looks like it was about $10.5 million within the slot money, somewhere in there. Uh, what can you make of all that? So I believe for the Potters, it's uh, 10.6 and change is what the overall budget is, basically, for the slot system for the Potters. Now, the Padres have the ability to go 5% over slot, and then they'd have to pay a 75% overage on that 5% extra. So really think like this. The Padres have roughly about 11.1 to 11.2 to spend um, to get their guys signed. Now, with that being said, some guys are going to go over slot. Some guys are going to sign for under slot. Most of those conversations, though, have been already had with the players, with their families, uh, and then with scouts, cross-checkers, A.J. Preller, Mark Connor, they've had those conversations well before being selected. Uh, hey, how, how much is uh, a number that you know, would want, you'd want to uh, become a professional? I mean, those conversations have been had, and from there, you're looking at uh, – you're looking at the ability of the organization to, to make the most of it. And one thing the Padres have done consistently, they have maximized their drafts. So it, it means every spending every penny you can, the Padres are willing to do that. And ownership, even during these times, 
have shown the willingness and the ability to do that. Um, Cole Wilcox will probably end up being the second highest paid player for us during this. Uh, the rumored number is somewhere around $3 million, which would put him into beginning of the second half of the first round in terms of money. Uh, he was rated by most pundits, uh, whether it be Baseball America, MLB.com, to be uh, anywhere between 15 to 25 in terms of top-ranked player. So that would kind of pay him accordingly to that. Uh, Robert Hassel is, of course, going to be the highest-paid player in there. Owen Cassie and Justin Lang, they're going to save some money there probably both ways. Um, I expect the, the one player to really be an overdraft in terms of overslot, excuse me, would, would be Cole Wilcox. And uh, like I said, with the ability to sign him, though, you're looking at possibly three first-round talents between him, Lang, and Hassel. So. Nice. Well, uh, Nick, George, thanks so much. I, I, I definitely feel like it's a timely discussion to have to, to do this on the heels of the draft. So obviously, we're waiting for baseball to come back. But certainly appreciate you guys making the time. Nick, as always, just appreciate your perspective and your uh, in-depth knowledge when it comes to minor league baseball and the draft and, and George for your just your uh, wealth of knowledge about baseball and just asking a, a ton of great questions tonight. Um, gentlemen, let's hope there's some baseball coming around the corner here soon, but I'm, I'm very glad we got together tonight to do this and uh, um, look forward to seeing you and talking to you soon. Awesome, guys. Hey, again, Nick, Mark, uh, it's been awesome talking baseball again. Can't wait to get back to some normalcy. Like you said, Mark, hopefully we can uh, get some games under our belt, see some exciting uh, pottery baseball. Nick, a big, big thanks for breaking down the minor league draft, man. All right, guys. My, my pleasure, guys. Take care. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Friar Lounge podcast. For more awesome content about your San Diego Padres, visit our website, friarlounge.com, or check us out on Twitter or Facebook. Have a great week. And go Padres!